You're listening to Heart Food Podcast, episode 20 with Kara Livingston. Welcome to Heart Food Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Pardo, nutritional therapy practitioner and private chef. This is a show that tells you the truth about food, nutrition, movement, mental health, mindfulness, and body image all with a hefty dose of real talk. This show will inspire you, change your mindset, and help you feel more confident and comfortable in your own skin inside and out. To find the show notes for each episode and to sign up for my weekly newsletter, visit ashleypardo.com. Find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Ashley K. Pardo. Find me on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel at Ashley Pardo. If you have a question to be answered on this podcast, please email it to heartfoodpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Hey everyone, welcome back to Heart Food Podcast. Have a great episode for you today with my friend Kara. Like we talk about in the episode, Kara and I are both uh, nutritional therapy practitioners. We met um, probably over two and a half years ago. Can't remember exactly when I'm having a brain fart, but when we were doing our nutritional therapy work and she was actually pregnant with her second kid when we ended. So she really focuses on how to feed children, how to kind of make it fun in your household, and also the power of self-care and the power of real food. Kara began to eat healthy, as you'll hear in the episode, um, completely changed her diet about six or seven years ago when she was seeing a naturopath and she was having problems with her eyesight. And it was so powerful to me to hear how much food had an impact on her eyesight because um, there's no treatment for that. So just another testament to how powerful this stuff can be. But again, we really focus on mindful eating, how to create that sort of Uh, practice with your children, how to not create neurosis in your children when you are trying to feed them healthy. And that's something that I am particularly very scared of. Um, If I have kids, like I said, it is something that can be so touchy, but Kara really does an amazing job on describing this and giving like so many good, practical, easy, simple tools for how to feed your children, how to have self-care amongst, um, you know, the mom life and, um, and how to create the sort of balance in your life so that you can actually, it's not even balance. It's just like, what am I going to prioritize in my life? What can I outsource? What can I create that can save me some time? So I hope you guys really enjoy listening to the episode. Stay tuned in the next couple weeks for some stuff coming up from me. We are in the middle of Food Freedom Club right now. We just finished week one and it was awesome. And again, stay tuned for what we have coming up in terms of my business. And also stay tuned for the end of the episode when Kara lets you know about um, where you can find her on Instagram at Simply Whole Kara and her website, www.simplyholenutrition.com. I guess I just told you, but listen to the whole episode anyways. You will really enjoy it. So thank you so much for being here with me today, Kara. I'm super excited. Thanks for having me. Of course, it's my pleasure. And you and I met while we were doing our Nutritional Therapy Association um, certification And I was just telling you that I could not believe that it's been almost two years since we graduated because that was like one of the funniest, funnest things I've ever done, I think. It really was. Austin, we met in Austin and that was a fun weekend every time we did that. It was so much fun. A lot, like it was super intense, but so thankful and grateful for that um, 
experience. And like I was telling you before, I wanted to have you on because I know that you are like an expert when it comes to feeding children and kind of making it like a practical reality in your life. And you have two kids. Um, so kind of tell us, and also we, we're going to be talking about mindful eating and how can you, how you can like incorporate a level of mindfulness into your life, into your eating and also with the kids, but kind of tell us how you got to this point of doing what you do and, um, what you do now every single day. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I started, I guess, kind of paying attention to food and its relation to my health. Maybe six or seven years ago, I got diagnosed with, um, what is kind of technically a genetic disease where I'm going blind and it's similar, like it expresses itself similar to macular degeneration. And I saw a naturopath that was like, I think I can treat this like an autoimmune disease because my body is basically attacking my retina. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what started the whole thing. I just started eating healthy. And what's so crazy about vision is it's like a number, you know, 2020. It's met, it's yeah. very measurable. And so my vision actually improved, which w was crazy. Like my eye, my medical eye doctor was like, I have never, you know, never seen this before. Um, so that was kind of what started me on, you know, the whole journey. And then I had kids and things got really crazy and I couldn't take care of myself and I couldn't figure out how to juggle it all. And, you know, when you have kids, they're such a part of you, they become such a part of you so quickly that they just kind of came along on my health journey. And now, um, I'm a full-time stay-at-home mom and I, so I, I have them with me, you know, all day, every day. And I just do this kind of on the side. I like joke with my husband that it's my nap time empire. Because <laughs> you capitalize during nap time. Yes. I'm like, they're asleep. We got to run yeah, around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I like, I kind of get to do the best of both worlds, um, yes. which is really awesome. So how long ago was that, that you began to see that naturopath? Um, yeah, six or seven years. Okay. And, that's... and that was, that was, I was just getting engaged. Um, you know, just like what felt like, like really on the cusp. I'm sure you can identify with like my future. Yes. And he is telling me you're, you're going to be blind and you honestly, you should already be blind. I don't know why um... you aren't. Um, so yeah, it was, it was quite a blow. Yes. And... But there's no, there's no medical treatment for it at all. So that was kind of what drove me to like, there has to be some other alternative. Like it wasn't like a decision for me between like taking medicine and, and, you know, being healthy. It was like the only option was to try to find another route outside of medical. Exactly. Cool and for me. amazing. And it's just a testament to like what I know that you and I believe in, which is like the power of real food. And it's so lucky because like, I feel like now it's becoming a little, a little bit more mainstream. Mm -hmm. Um, back then six or seven years ago, I, not even, I really knew about this stuff, like not even to close to the degree that I know now. So I just feel like it's really lucky that you were able to see a naturopath and kind yeah. of go down this route because like food is so powerful when it comes to healing, um, and it's miraculous that you were able to like treat it with food. And mm -hmm. many people, I know that like for me, uh, many people will be like, you know, why do you choose to eat that way? It's so boring. And I'm like, you don't understand the power that food, just changing your diet can have. But like mm -hmm. once you realize that, it's, I think, really easy to become committed to mm -hmm. that way of eating. Oh, yeah. I joke like I, I joke with people when they say like, how are you not eating bread? I'm like, you know, when people say that stuff to me, I'm like, it, it, like, initially, I get defensive, it kind of hurts yes. my feelings. Of course, I want to eat bread. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, like, not about that. Told you like, and this is I'd say I, I usually say something to this extent to them. Like if someone told you, you aren't gonna be able to see your daughter walk down the aisle. Like bread would seem like so silly. Yes. And for me, like I, I think it's I in a sense, like I was lucky that I was kind of at this crossroads where I it was so clear to me, you know, what my choices were. I think some people like, you know, they it's not as clear. 
They yeah. don't like they eat healthy and they see these immediate results. That doesn't always happen for everybody. But for me, I did. And so it's just been a really easy, clear choice for me. Exactly. exactly. And yeah. I think um, for I'm hearing myself a little bit funny. <laughs> you sound good on my end. Oh, okay. Um, I think the fact that also that we, um, you know, for something so severe like that, it can be, you know, just no question, you mm-hmm. know, like for the, your eyesight and everything. But again, it's just a testament to how powerful food is. And mm-hmm. there comes a different component when we begin to eat this way, I think. And that's like the mindfulness surrounding mm-hmm. all of this. And I know that you do workshops about that. So give us like a quick primer on mindful eating. I thought it was really interesting how you break down the hungers that we have. Mm-hmm. I thought that was awesome. So just tell us like how you got into that and how we can begin to eat mindfully. Yeah, well, it was at a local yoga studio here was the first kind of group that approached me about doing a workshop for that. And honestly, I was kind of overwhelmed because I do yoga like very hit or miss. And it, it seemed like mindfully eating just seemed like this like huge thing that I was like, what is this? Like, yes. How do I take like five breaths before I eat? I have kids screaming at me. Like just like it just seemed like this kind of like I don't get it thing to me. And so as I started trying to figure out what it meant for me, it really took kind of like a different I think, and it does for everyone, a different picture. One thing, like you mentioned, the different types of hunger that helped me a ton is just like being aware that eating can fulfill so many needs for you other than hunger. Mm -hmm. And like, quite frankly, our society, like it's not really ever fulfilling the need of hunger for us. Like we're never really hungry, like, (laughs) like in the true sense. Yep. Hunger. Like if any time you're eating and you have an opinion about what you want or don't want, you're not hungry. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Right. We don't really have a clear idea of what it really means. No, no. And even like I've done some intermittent fasting and that like I even that when I finish that up, I'm not truly like just starving like I would eat anything. You know, I'm like, "Mm, I'd rather have this. I've waited this long to eat. So I'm going to have what I want. Yes, totally. (laughs) Totally. And that's a big part of it too, is deciding what it is that you want to eat, I think. Mm -hmm. Because like, if you choose something that you don't want, it's like, again, this is a super first world problem, but like, you won't really be fully satisfied compared Mm -hmm. to, you know, like if you choose, if you chose something else. Yes. Oh, yeah. And like, I think for me lately, if I eat something that now I've had my blood work done and I figured out kind of what I'm allergic to. And now that I have that kind of in my arsenal, when I choose to eat it, I can tell how bad it makes me feel. And so these like decisions around food, like, am I going to eat cheese on my hamburger? It's like, I may, I very well may choose to eat the cheese, but it is a, like a mindful, like I am paying attention to the fact that Carrie, you probably are not going to feel good tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And here are going to be the consequences of choosing that. And if, if they are worth it to you, then go, you know, go ahead. But I, it's a, a, like a mindful, I'm making a full mind choice on it, I guess I'm tuned into all of it. Does that uh, makes Yes, absolutely. And I think that that is the biggest thing because like, with me choosing to eat this way, uh, it is simple for me, because it's like, you know, I just look at things from like a really practical perspective, exactly like that. Like, okay, if I choose to eat the cheese, I have the same issues. You know, I know I'm going to be bloated tomorrow. Do I feel like being bloated for an entire day? So it's like, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, but it really takes like the emotion out of it. Mm -hmm. Once you, and like that drama that we can create with food, (laughs) you know, so many, and I even went through that at the beginning too. Like it was almost like a grieving period for all of the old foods that I missed. But adding that, you know, just like those simple questions that you can ask is super powerful. Uh, Mm -hmm. I also think that it's easier to mindfully eat if we focus on real food. Mm -hmm. Because like, what do you think about um, mindfully eating like sugar or, you know, other like potentially hyper palatable foods and things like that? 
Well, I mean, like sugar specifically is addictive. Yeah. And I think even like I can see an element for me of like even um, salty foods. I get yes. it. Like I sit and eat an entire bag of plantain chips. Oh, yep. Like, you know, I don't know if it's the crunch or the salt, but like I, in a sense, am addicted to to doing that. For sugar, for sure, you know, that scientifically has been proven. Mm-hmm. As you're just kind of creating this battle for yourself that like it, it's not it's not just you and the sugar necessarily like there's another component in there like because you're actually your body is actually addicted to what you're eating and so I think you know it's a great exercise for everybody to eliminate sugar you know even if it's just for a couple days if that's all you're willing to do but the whole 30 is a great program to like just eliminate sugar and then see like how much power it had over you like that you really truly were addicted to it in some ways and then when you're combating it in the future you you see it for what it is exactly and I find that and for a lot of people once you kind of eliminate it it there's no desire to eat it Mm -hmm. anymore as opposed to like being in that state which is what I tell people too Mm -hmm. like I know that if I eat sugar, I'm going to want to eat more. Like, Mm -hmm. that's just a fact. And I feel like a lot of people become emotional about it. And they're like, oh, no, I'm a bad person. And this was me in the past as well. I'm this terrible person that can't be controlled. And I'm so, like, not disciplined. What's wrong with me? I just want to keep eating this stuff, even though I'm full. And I tell them, like, this is an actual, like, biological, physiological thing that's happening in your body and your brain that's overriding all of the mechanisms of the way that the body should be working. Oh, yeah. it's It becomes a game, like, you think it's a game of willpower, but it's yes. really not. Like, it, you're not, not willpower. You're not going to win. Exactly. And I think it's also knowing the foods that do that to you. Like, you said the plantain chips, like... <laughs> It's so easy. It's the crunch, the salt, the fat. It's, you know, potato chips. Like even like if I make um, like roasted crispy potatoes. Oh, yeah. You know, that have like a lot of like ghee on them that are roasted with a lot of ghee and a lot of salt. (laughs) I just have to just be mindful of it because it's easy to eat a lot of them. Well, and I, I feel like too, like replacing it with healthy choices, like that is much better than Chick-fil-A French fries. Absolutely. And that's like, that's what plantain chips are for me. Like that is much better than Lay's potato chips. Yes. For sure. But I have to, I still, even having found a healthy alternative, I still have to watch, watch it. Cause I'll just, it'll become like a, like a emotional thing for me instead of just fueling my body. Exactly. And I have my bag of plantain chips, but I have to be like, okay, let me just, you know, knowing this, let me pay like extra super attention because like you said, it's so easy to, to go in the other direction. Mm -hmm. Um, so we talked a lot at the beginning, a little bit about, um, you, the fact that you became a mom and that now you are a stay-at-home mom. And I admire your meal preps. If you guys follow Kara on Instagram, we're going to share her information in the show notes. Um, She is super on top of the meal prep and making meals for her kids. So I'm so curious about like how you began feeding your children and we'll just go from there. Talk about, you know, if you, from the beginning, began to feed them real food and prioritize that and kind of what that looks like now. Yeah, yeah. From the beginning, I did, I had been eating healthy for a while. So it was a priority. Of course, like things have evolved. Like I fed my son grains and stuff when he was really young, which I didn't do with my second, you know, things have, I've like learned more and more as time has, has gone on. But I did, I, even when my son was born, I was working full time in corporate America, pumping at work, like doing Mm -hmm. the whole thing. And I still made all of his baby food that I sent to daycare with him. Oh, wow. So like it is, it is doable, which, you know, it was, I had a, a a very simple way that I made his food, which I have a whole ebook about, but like it was, you know, I was able, when you keep it really, really simple, And like you said before, focusing just on whole foods, like it doesn't have to be complicated, just Mm -hmm. whole, just broccoli, like it doesn't have to be, you know, this whole equation of all this stuff. I was able, you know, to do it from the very, very beginning. And I will say, you know, 
the older they get, the harder it gets because they have opinions. Like, I would go back to the, like, you can only eat purees phase, like, in a heartbeat. Because you <laughs> eat them, yep. they eat what you feed them. And now my three-year-old and even my, she's a little over one, are starting to have opinions about things. Oh, and no. it, that is when I think it gets really complicated uh-huh. um, is when they start not eating stuff, demanding certain things, exposed to things at, you know, in class, at school and stuff like that. That's when it has gotten a little more crazy. So you made, for both your kids, you made their baby food, like in the, with the purees and stuff? Yes. Wow. I yeah, I used a machine. Um, it was I can never say it right. It's like the Bebe. B-A- oh, I think I've seen it. It's like a little yeah. blender. Uh huh. Okay. And it that you steam it in there, and oh, then you yes. dump it and puree it, and that really does make things super easy because it's just one thing to wash, and you kind of just like set it and forget about it. Mm. Um, so yeah, I did. I made both of their both of their baby foods. My daughter didn't eat as much purees as my son did. She went more straight to finger foods, which if that's something that like interests you, baby led weaning is kind of the buzzword on that, that you could Google, but she didn't do as she just naturally wanted to feed herself. I think that is a little bit of a girl control. Yep. <laughs> that's so funny. Love her mm-hmm. and her determination to do things on her own. Um, so that, you know, every kid is a little different. Um, and like I said, I have an ebook that's all kind of about this, how to know what to feed them, how to know how that kind of stuff, if it's something you want to really dig into. And of course, you can reach out to me and ask me questions if anybody wants. Yeah, absolutely. But that's something that fascinates me so much. Because uh, as you know, I'm a private chef. So I have some clients that have kids and me being a person that doesn't have kids and mm-hmm. that perhaps perhaps might want them someday. I feel like I'm ignorant because I'm like, well, I'm just going to feed them whatever and (laughs) they're going to eat it no matter what. Like if not, they're going to go hungry. But I know that there is a lot involved there. So how do you like verbalize to your kids, especially the older one? Because he probably, obviously he's older. He can probably understand more. Um, How do you tell them and kind of guide them that like this food really matters is it like the is the issue like that they don't want to eat the real food or even amongst the real food they have opinions and desires yeah even amongst the real food they have opinions and desires for sure okay um yeah i think like at this young of an age so like i said my son's three you can't like it's very hard for me to make food connections for him so like your tummy hurts because you ate this like he's Mm, too young to start making those connections which you know at an older age hopefully that's definitely something that we can do for him but for now really like what I try to focus on is that we just sit and eat Mm. so like we're you know you're always on the go with little kids like always and I, you know, you're having lunch out at the playground and you're eating snacks in the car seat and mm. all the stuff, which, you know, there's going to be part of that in your busy day to day life. But I always try to have breakfast 100 percent at the table. We read a book, we say a prayer, we eat, we talk about what we want to do that day, like just really mindfully letting them experience the food. Mm. And, you know, I tell, you know, parents at least one, you know, if you can do more than one, do it. And, you know, if, if dad can't be there, that's okay. You know, it doesn't have to be the whole family, even though that is also like a really great experience. But if it's just you and your kids, that's fine. Be sure you're eating so they can see you and what you're having and how you're experiencing your food. And, you know, then they can sit and experience their food. And at this young of age, that's really the only way I have found to kind of help them connect with food. Yeah, that like, I was going to ask too, like, if you ever see, like, if you're outside of the house or whatever, if you're at like a family member's house or a friend's house or at a birthday party, how do you navigate them eating other stuff that uh, you might not normally feed them? (laughs) I get this question all the time. (laughs) I'm always so interested in this. It's hard. It's It's hard. hard. It really is hard. Um, You know, like the the hardest is birthday parties for sure. Mm. Like most of my family and friends now have become 
more attuned to it. And honestly, my son is not super tuned into what other kids are eating. But when it comes to sweets, he absolutely is. And it, it, they're made to look so appealing. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. Of course, he's going to notice like a cupcake or like a cake pop with sprinkles on it or an yes. ice cream cone. Like, a, of course, he's going to notice that. He doesn't so much notice like potato chips and things, mm. things like that as he does just really notice um, sweets. And so kind of like sometimes I take sweets. So there's a couple um, and I can give you the links. So you can put it in the show notes like gluten-free cookies that are individually packaged that have vegetables in them like zucchini and sweet potato. Mm. And so I'll just give him one of those. And at this age, like he hasn't really been like, no, I don't want that. Like, I don't want what you're giving me. Mm. I want what they're having. Um, you know, his his definition of a treat, what I call a treat in my house, like some people would probably scoff at. Like they're like, that yep. is not a treat. Yes. But, you know, he has but like it's a relative. Really, yes, it is relative. So like this morning I had some leftover oatmeal bake with like blueberries in it. We don't really ever eat oatmeal, like grains. Mm -hmm. And so this is like a huge treat for him. And so I called it treat. I'm like, breakfast is treat this morning. And when my husband walked into the kitchen, he told him, Daddy, I'm having a treat for breakfast. Aww. And I was just like, my husband just looked at me and smiled like, you're ridiculous. Yeah. This is, <laughs> this is treat. not a treat. Like, this is normal, like breakfast for people. But he, it's relative. So like when we go out you know, he'll think something is a treat that other kids would not. And so yes. I can kind of like skirt him around having like a big piece of cake or whatever. And I do let him, I, I do like if, if he won't drop it, like if he's like, no, I really want that. I'm like, okay, you can have a bite of it. Like, I'm not going to give him a, you know, a complex about eating something, you know, by exactly. saying no, 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 no. Yes. But most of the time he's really not like, he'll drop it pretty quick if he has, you know, he doesn't like binge eat on things. He's super okay. aware of his tummy at this age and like when he's full. Mm, that's and awesome. really binge eat on that kind of stuff at a party or whatever. Yeah, because that's something that kind of like, again, terrifies me, you know, like for <laughs> potential children or something, because like, of course, we know what we know, but to try to convey that to a child and like, it sounds like you're doing an awesome job. And you're even noticing like, okay, he's starting to make um, some connections or whatever. But like there is this local, um, there's this local guy here in Miami who has this um, like a brand and he's super healthy and he has like a meal delivery service and his kid um, binges at school mm -hmm. because he is so restricted and he tries to like switch and like barter uh his snacks at lunch oh. you know so it's like and he binges all the time at school like when he's not around his dad because the dad has I guess created like this big complex around it yep. so that to me you know I guess sometimes like in your case letting your kid have a little bit um is can be more beneficial than trying to be like a drill sergeant about it because then that will create again this complex and um that propensity and that like fear of food right instead of just being like you know this is what we eat this is what fuels us this is what makes us feel awesome and really i guess communicating that to them yeah i i just like control the controllables like, yes house don't have the crap like and people will say like oh well i i like to eat oreos and I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, if you don't have it in your pantry, you can't give it to them. And like, quite frankly, my son can have a meltdown over plantain chips. And if they are not in the pantry, he's not having them. Like, it's just not yes. like you can give him something I don't have. And that's why I tell parents all the time, like, just get it out of your pantry. Like, don't have it in there. Don't eat it yourself. And, and then when they want it, you know, you can't have it. And this is like, these are the things you can control. When you're out in public and there's Oreos, it's a lot harder to control that situation. But I can feel okay about letting him have an Oreo in public because he hasn't eaten sugar in five or six days. Exactly. So it's not, you know, I'm not going to be all stressed out about one Oreo. It's funny, though, my husband's like, babe, he's having an Oreo. Did you let him have an Oreo? Like, oh, <laughs> like he knows. Like He's, he's on my train. And oh he's a little bit more, I think it's the male thing, but he's a little bit more of, 
Like this was the rule. Like he's yes, <laughs> you've got to follow it. Yeah, I can imagine. That's great though that he's like on your side because that's could be a whole other podcast to have like yeah. two different parents with differing food views. I can only imagine how mm-hmm. how difficult that can be. Um, yeah. Do you notice a difference in your kids when, for example? they eat something that you wouldn't normally feed them, like in their behavior or their emotions? Oh, yeah, absolutely. My son's birthday was a couple of weeks ago. And we he had I let him have a gluten free cupcake. He had a couple sweet things that day. And he ate. Um, he loves my son loves which you will see all over my Instagram feed. He loves guac and chips like that mm-hmm. is his thing. Um, and so we took him to this fancy Mexican restaurant and let him just basically eat chips and guac for lunch. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah, for days after, his behavior was terrible. Wow. So what are some of the specifics of that, if you don't mind? Oh, no, not at all. Just, um, you know, like yelling, crying, like just mood swings, like yes. very much more emotional, could tell he was out of control of himself a little bit. And some of that was tired. You know, he had yeah. like a busy birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, even my husband was like, has he been acting like this all day? You know, like, yep. This is not normal. And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the sugar. Like, I'm I'm pretty sure it's the sugar that he had on his birthday. I don't know what else it would be. And, I, you know, I even like there are times when people say your kids are so much calmer. Your kids are so much calmer. And I think to myself, you know, I, I really like I they're not I'm not a better mom. I'm not a calmer mom. I'm not, you know, my kids aren't better kids. That's not, that's not how it is. They, they just, they're not having mood swings from sugar. They're not crashing from sugar. And I really think that's all it is. Like, I don't think it's a testament to anything other than they don't eat sugar. Mm, That is so interesting. And I can only imagine because kids, you know, they're smaller, they have smaller bodies, they're sensitive. So, and I can feel the change in my own emotional state when I eat sugar. And even like my fiance's um, little sister, also, she's nine. And um, there's definitely differences in her, like when she eats her sugar, pretty Mm -hmm. much the same thing that you are describing. And it's just so interesting, the profound emotional changes and ups and downs that can happen when something like that is ingested like it's a real thing that it can cause these um, mental um, just differences and emotional and mood swings and things like that yeah I would say like if you're listening to this and you're thinking these are this is my kid like this is great I I'm like I'm making the connection that sugar is important but what what do I do about it exactly what do I do I would say you know make it a big family affair like and what it would be what we would term as adults, like a detox or a whole 30 or a diet, but don't term it that with your kids, mm-hmm. but just explain to them, like, we're going to try eating fruits and vegetables, take them to the produce section, let them pick out fruits and vegetables they want to try, actually have them like help you clean out the pantry, mm. um, you know, do all this, this kind of together as a family and actually like get them off of sugar and let them see how they feel. You know, my son, like I said, is three. I don't know that he would make the connection if we like, you know, had him off of sugar, if he would feel better and be able to make the connection at that young of an age. But I think starting at like four or five, Mm. that that would be a connection that they would be able to make. Um, I would, the one like thing I think people tend to do is like when you finish something like that, you reward yourself with food. Like don't reward yourself with food throughout it like just make the reward and the fun of it like doing it as a family trying Mm -hmm. recipes cooking together getting them in the kitchen um i have tons of stuff on my um instagram feed of just like ways to make food fun for kids Mm -hmm. Um, like spend you know it doesn't even have to be like a a month or just a week like one where you're gonna do your grocery bill where you're going to go with the kids and they're going to pick out fruits and vegetables and you're not going to go down the aisles, mm-hmm. you know, one, one time of doing it and just see, you know, if they really start behaving better and kind of just experience it together. That would be kind of, I guess, my advice around kids and sugar. Yes. And also kids love tasks. That's something <laughs> that I've noticed that they just love having a job, you yes, know, so 
contributing. They do. People love contributing members of a team. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So like there's so many different ways that you can, you know, other moms out there in general that you can like get them involved, have them touch the produce, have them Mm -hmm. pick it out, have them Mm -hmm. like, you know, prep stuff can help you like to the best of their ability. Um, So, and I think it's so awesome. Like the stuff that you post on Instagram, like the other day you posted something with color of him, like talking about the colors of the foods, which I thought was awesome. And that's like really simple things Mm -hmm. that like you don't need fancy equipment for. And it takes just a couple minutes. So even like doing that, um, you know, frequently makes a huge difference because then they can recognize like different ingredients. And also, again, obviously the way the food makes them feel. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't even have to be like, you know, a concerted effort to sit down and play a color game with food with your kids. Like it can just be sitting down talking about what you've already made. It doesn't like though, you know, it only takes a few seconds to throw like a fun snack together or whatever. You know, some people, some busy moms, like you don't have the capacity to come up with that. And I get that. So just make what you, you know, normally would make, but talk about the green beans and like even pull up a picture on your phone of them growing on the plant while you're Mm -hmm. like, you know, making connections for them. It doesn't have to be a big experience. It can be absolutely, but it doesn't have to be this big complicated thing. Yeah. It can be really simple with just what you have at home that takes like literally 10 seconds to do (laughs) something like that. Something that I see too is a lot of people reward or bribe their kids with (laughs) sugar as well. And that's something that, um, again, that I see pretty frequently. And it's just so interesting how that is in our society. Like it's weirder for a kid to not eat sugar (laughs) as much than to eat it because it's just like a normal thing like oh whatever the kid's just on a sugar high and i'm (laughs) running around like a crazy person you know (laughs) i'm the weird mom for sure Mm -hmm. a lot of times i'm like yeah we're awkward yeah yeah (laughs) my kid's like hand pulling avocado in his mouth with his hand and i'm like yep we're the weird family (laughs) (laughs) that's how i'll be too i'm 100 percent positive um (laughs) that's great so a lot of moms that I talk to, like whether it's other clients or people that I'm cooking for, is just this issue with time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I have a million things going on. You don't understand what it's like to have children. So how can moms make it work if they are interested and want to commit to uh, a real food lifestyle, which does like just by default require a lot of cooking? Yes. Um yeah, so I guess this is this is hard because everyone's life is so different. You know, yeah. everyone's schedule is so, so different. But what works for me is I spend on Sunday night before I go to bed about 30 minutes coming up with what we're going to eat that week. And I probably have about 10 recipes that are my go. So it's not like I am making something new and exciting Every week, you don't have to be on Pinterest for hours. You know, like you can have your 10 go-to recipes. And I even advise people like write them down, have a list of the things you're comfortable making that are healthy and, you know, be sure there's like a chicken in there and maybe you make a fit, you have a fish one. And like, if you don't have a fish one, maybe try to look for some, some fish ones, but get yourself a list of like 10 recipes that you like to make, sit down, you know, do your grocery list. I do all my shopping on, um, what we have here is like curbside. It's called curbside. So I don't actually ever go into a grocery store anymore, which I know some people would think that's crazy. Like you're a stay at home mom. You should be going into yep. grocery store. But I just don't have, that's not something I want to spend my time doing. Yeah. And so uh, that I spend, it's like an extra six or seven dollars to have them get it all for me and it's worth the money it's so worth it i do instacart also yeah it's it's amazing it's a good like who has an hour and a half to go walk around and like if you're a working mom it's an hour and a half you aren't with your kids or you aren't sleeping and if you're a stay-at-home mom it's an hour and a half you're with your kids screaming in the grocery cart making a scene (laughs) like it's just worth the money to like you know not to not stress about it. So that's how I get my groceries to the house. I spend a significant amount of my grocery budget buying produce that's already cut up. Mm, So so I don't, yeah, I don't like if, if your kid will eat butternut squash, 
buy the cut up butternut squash. Like if your kid is eating a vegetable, but you are not able to get it on the table because of time, buy it already made for you. Um, like just cut something else in your budget to be sure that, you know, they're getting that item. Cause like who has time to cut up a butternut squash? Like, <laughs> yeah. And it's hard. It's hard to do it. It's like, I'm going to cut my finger off or my hand yes. <laughs> if I do this. So, um, I spend a lot of my budget on that and that is where my, my time saving is a lot, a lot of my recipes, which I have a whole, which we can put in the show notes. So I have a whole page of dinner recipes that take under 30 minutes to, to make mm-hmm. a lot of them are ground meats. Cause they just cook so much faster than like a full ch- chicken breast would. Yes. Um, so and that's they're an- cheaper. Yes. Yes. That's another, um, shortcut that I use a lot. I don't, I don't do meal prep in the sense that like, I don't spend hours on Sunday cooking a bunch of stuff for the week. Um, I do when I cook, I cook uh, all of it. Like if I'm going to cook a, you know, a bag of butternut squash, even if we're not going to eat the whole bag, I'm going to cook the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make as much chale, kale chips as I have kale. Like I'm not going to be putting things back. If I'm getting a bowl dirty and a pan dirty, I'm making everything that I have to make. But other than that, I don't, um, I don't meal, meal prep a ton. So those are kind of, that's a couple of my go-tos. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. That's awesome though. And those are all like, it sounds like you have like a system worked out. Like what, what actually matters that I can spend my time on that's valuable and worthy and what can I outsource Mm -hmm. and then how can I make this work? And I think another good point too is this is something I hear all the time being uh, somebody who cooks all the time people are intimidated by recipes Mm -hmm. you know and by complication and like thinking that every time that you cook it has to be like this gourmet production and i'm like if you actually came to my house and saw what we (laughs) ate like it's really not that exciting (laughs) it's really simple not a lot of recipes are being used but i think that like if you figure out how to like like super basic things like how to season food um, maybe focusing on like some higher quality foods so they taste better. Like you can just throw stuff in a pan or put stuff on a baking sheet with like a spice blend and it's fine. It doesn't need to be this big production like you're saying. Yeah, spice blends are great because yes. I, I see you're a way better cook than I am. And I'm, I am I don't understand spices. So. <laughs> <laughs> They're great. Like every time I use them, I'm like, wow, that was really good. Yes. But blends do really help me. A Absolutely. lot um, because I just don't, I don't know how to, how to season stuff. And I, like another thing that I use a ton with the kids is cinnamon. That's a spice mm. I use because it makes things taste sweet. Cinnamon and vanilla, they think it's like a dessert and really it's just a roasted sweet potato or apples or, you know, yes. something really simple. Um, but yeah, spices like just Trader Joe's has great blends. Yeah. Um, there's tons of like, you know, paleo brands, so to speak on Amazon, but that is a great place to start. Like a blend, just throwing it on a bag of already cut up butternut squash. You'll be surprised how good it, it ta- actually tastes. Absolutely. And even buying like some pre-made guacamole or mm-hmm. putting that spice blend on like some chicken or making like some taco meat, you can take these things and put them together in a super simple way that's actually really delicious. And honestly, with kids, like, the more complicated it is, the less likely they're going to be to eat it. So, yeah. like, when you get, like, a like um, so one thing I used to love having at my house was, like, a, a bowl, a Mexican bowl, which was basically just, like, taco meat and cauliflower rice and all this stuff. But, like, they wouldn't touch it because mm. it's so overwhelming to yeah, them. Yeah, a lot of flavors and texture. Them. Uh-huh, components. And so sometimes we do it like on a plate that's like sectioned out, but a lot, I mean, we don't eat it a lot now because it's just like, that was too complicated. I was like too many components. Too, yeah. and honestly, it's too complicated to make. You know, I had a pan yes. with the cauliflower rice, a pan with the taco meat. I'm over here cutting up bell peppers. Like it was too much stuff yes. <laughs> and it just doesn't have to be that complicated. Like sausage is a really easy one. Like just yes. buy sausage, throw it on a pan with some broccoli and you have dinner. Like yeah. it doesn't have to be, yeah, it doesn't have to be crazy. And that's literally all you have to do. That's mm-hmm. a meal here often in my mm-hmm. house, like sausages 
And like maybe I'll get like an Italian sausage and some broccoli and mushrooms, roast that, and then maybe put like a tomato sauce on top, and it's like it's done. Oh yeah, the it's tomato. That's a nice touch. <laughs> yes, yeah, like a like a marinara sauce that yeah. like saves my life. Like I'm not gonna sit mm-hmm. and make. And like, with kids, you can put that in like a, a separate little container, and they can dip yes. the the broccoli into the marinara, yes. and it creates just like this experience of exploring what marinara tastes like on sausage, what it tastes like on mushrooms, what it tastes like on broccoli. And and it's fun for them. That's exactly what I do. I put it in a a little separate container (laughs) and dip (laughs) like (laughs) Like a child. (laughs) Um, I also wanted to ask you, um, how do you develop like, we kind of touched on this before and like trying not to create a neurosis with children, um, because that's something that can potentially stay with them for a lifetime and guide their uh, choices. And there's such a prevalence of eating disorders nowadays. So how do you make sure to foster like a healthy body image um, and healthy habits in them so that they know that they um, are like worthy children despite their weight I know it can be a really sensitive subject like if your child begins to gain weight Mm -hmm. or something so how would you navigate that whole like really complicated topic oh gosh I mean yeah when I had my daughter I didn't know she was a girl until like she was born and that was one of the things yeah scares me a lot about having a girl it's just I don't, I always, I don't know how my parents did it, but I always, that was never something I was insecure about. Mm-hmm. And I want that for her, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm just like, ah, it's, it's uh, overwhelming and it's a very big, a big thing. But I think, you know, like simple, which my kids are so young right now, but like simple, simple things that you can do is like not making them eat when they're not hungry. Mm. Um, so like when my son's done, he's done. And yes. I don't ever like, I, I don't ever say, do you want, are you sure? Are you sure you don't want this last bite? Because mm. like, I, it is fascinating to me. Like he'll love something on his plate, but he'll leave one bite. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like how in tune he is to his little tummy that uh-huh. he's full, even though he loves it. And my daughter is not quite, I can tell she is not quite as in tune as he is, but he is, he's just very aware of his food. And so, yeah, we never make him eat more. Um, we do not ever let him eat in front of the TV. Mm. Like no, just like lack of mindfulness by just throwing him. And I, I, like, I see, I see bloggers advise this, like just put your kid in front of the TV and like shovel vegetables in their mouth. Oh God, no, like unconscious. Yes. Which, you know, like, I guess, you know, I'm not trying to bash other bloggers. I guess like if you want then if you really want them to eat vegetables and you feel like that's the only alternative, but I would rather my child, you know, not eat vegetables than eat them unconsciously. Cause I'm not oh my God. the pattern of, you know, the future, like why he really needs, needs to eat them. So yeah, really like, and then we don't do the other thing I would say is we don't do a lot of snacking. So mm which is very like a very common thing with kids is like snack a lot. Um, you know, let them eat whenever they're hungry, snack, whatever. Uh, no, we eat at meals. Um, we occasionally have a mid morning snack, but we don't always, cause sometimes they just, they aren't, they don't ask for it and we just don't have it. And then we have an afternoon snack after they wake up from their nap every day, pretty much, but it's not a super routine like the meals are. And so they come to the table hungry you know, I think a yes. lot of people have this, like they've let their kids snack all morning because they've been running errands, which I totally get. Like mm-hmm. I totally get you're at the grocery store. You need them to sit in the cart. And so you give them snacks so that they'll just sit there and not bother you or whatever it is. But then when it comes lunchtime, you make this great lunch that's full of vegetables and all this wonderful stuff with, you know, a side smoothie that's green and like you're totally winning as a mom and then yep. they don't have it. <laughs> And it's because they aren't hungry. Like they haven't. So we really focus on mealtimes, breakfast, lunch and dinner, you know, sitting, eating those and that being where they're getting their primary, you know, source of food from, which mine are a little older when they're younger. You kind of do have to do a lot more meals. But now that we're like at a year and three, like they can really eat enough food at mealtimes to not be hungry in, in between. Yeah. So I think that helps. And I think you made such a great point to not like force 
or make them clean their plate or create this other drama of like, you must eat this now. Like the fact that, you know, the fact that he can leave a bite on his plate, even when he loves something is a testament to how in tune he is, like you're saying. And that is something that like, for example, if we are a person who has struggled with food, that can be very hard to do for an adult. Right. You know, to kind of become mindful, to leave food on the plate, to listen to your body. So I always say that kids are kind of born intuitive eaters. Yes, they are. So, and animals are too, Mm -hmm. you know, which is so interesting. So like we learn these things in society uh, that kind of take us away from that. But that really is our natural state. And it's awesome that your kids are showing that already at such a young age. Well, and I think like every mom, every good intentioned mom is saying, eat all your vegetables. Like yes. it's not a bad, a bad intentioned thing by no. any. And like, like I get you, like the mom that has the underweight child that's doctor is telling her, you know, your kid needs to be eat more. Like I get you, like yes. you want them to eat. Like it, it's, I totally understand that. And it's, it, you know, it's reasonable, <laughs> like, yes. you know, you, especially like you make a meal, you sit down and they throw a fit about it. Like it is upsetting, like the time you put in and then you get there and they're not eating. So I understand that. Like, I don't think anybody's, it's not malintentioned, but it's just something to be aware of. Like when you do force them to eat things or ask them to eat more or reward them with food, you are manipulating their relationship with food for them. Yes. Which can be very detrimental. Again, you know, the moms are doing their best and everything. And I think it's just um, the fact that this isn't really talked about that much. Right. Um, Oh, yeah. There's not a lot of awareness around this subject. And it's like when it's mealtime, when you're Uh, you know, when you don't have a lot of time and you have a lot of stuff to do in your life and a lot is going on, that can be the way that you act kind of unconsciously. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, yeah. So I have a question. Let's say some moms are listening and they're currently feeding their kids a diet of processed foods Mm -hmm. that are super hyper palatable, but they want to get them onto veggies and proteins and fruits and things like that but the kids like refusing and the kids now like used to eating mac and cheese or like chicken fingers and fries that are fast food. How would moms even begin to make that transition? So yeah, this is tough because every kid is different, but, and you know, your kid, like as a mom, like, you know, what's going to, going to work for your kid. But I would kind of see it as there's like two options. There's the either rip off the bandaid, Mm. Or there's the like slowly try to transition them, which this goes for like parenting across the board. It's yeah. like, do you rip <laughs> off the bandaid and take the passy, or do you slowly try to remove the passy? Do you rip off the bandaid and make them sleep in their crib, or do you know? Yeah, or do you oh my gosh, them? yes. It's across. So you've probably, as a mom, like tried both alternatives. So mm-hmm. you know which one works for your kid. Either your kid's a band aid kid, or they're a slowly transition. The band aid is kind of what we talked about earlier the like clean out the pantry take them to the store like just you know decide you're going to do it don't turn back you as a mom do it you as a a dad do it um you know go down the the road together as a family you can't expect one kid to do it one kid not you know it's got to be the whole family Mm -hmm. Um, if you're going to do it slowly if you think that's a better approach that that would be the which we've talked about some too is just the one meal creating Mm. one meal where you're sitting down as a family, you're, you know, give everybody a job. You know, one kid sets the table, one kid gets the drinks, one kid cuts up the vegetables, whatever it is, give everybody a job. And like you said before, kids love a task. So keep it consistent. Like I'm the table setter. That's what I do. (laughs) I'm the, you know, whatever. And like with my son, he's a little young to have a job like table setting for sure. So, So just set him up on the counter. He just sits up on the counter. There's also these things called learning towers, which we have one. And it like is a little stand that they can stand on and be level with your kitchen counter. Oh, so my they- friend has that. It's like a little box that they stand in, right? <laughs> yes. It's, it's like, super it's cute. A Montessori, a Montessori concept, but you can get them on Amazon. Um, and yeah, they can just stand there. So like he does not every meal because he still is young, but he's a part, he can be a part of 
cooking dinner if he wants to be a part of, you know, I always turn on the oven light so he can see mm. the, the food in the oven. You know, part of that is just survival. It's like yeah. <laughs> when dinner's going to be ready, like yes. go at the oven. You know, that will be when. Um, but yeah, so create a meal time with tasks that everybody can be involved in. Everybody sits down and eats it and just like persevere <laughs> because yes. You know, you will do this and it will not work and you will keep doing it and it will not work and you will get, you will get frustrated and you will get discouraged, but keep, you know, persevering. I posted on my Insta stories today. I've been trying to get my son to eat carrots for, I mean, honestly years. Like he just mm -hmm. he doesn't like carrots. And I've read lots of research that says continue to present it. You know, most kids, it takes seven to 10 times for them seeing something before they feel comfortable putting it them in their mouth. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. Like, yeah. <laughs> who has time to make something seven or 10 times? Which a carrot was easy. You know, I like carrots, so they're already in the fridge and I just put it on his plate. Like, it, yep. you know, that was an easy thing for me to try. Well, he tried it today. He actually like oh, put wow. the carrot in his mouth and had a bite. And I was like, this is incredible. Like, yes, yay. So awesome. But you know, he had, he had tried it for a really long time. I mean, it had been on his plates. He had been seeing it and he didn't didn't try it for a long time. So it won't happen overnight if you decide to go this kind of like slowly introducing vegetables route to them. The other option, like if you're going to go more slowly, would be like start finding alternatives. So if they're eating Lay's potato chips in their lunchbox, you know, do plantain chips or sweet potato chips instead. Like start trying and, you know, look at healthy fats in those chips instead. Start trying to find replacements and slowly replacing things that way in tandem with kind of like doing a family dinner where you're modeling what you want them to be eating. Yes. And that's some two great points in there too is one the leading by example instead mm -hmm. of like you know you modeling instead of like um just telling them what to do all the time mm -hmm. and the fact that like change is not a light switch change mm -hmm. is a process and especially with kids i can imagine it takes like the multiple exposures and you know the continuing to try until it happens something that is really common you know amongst moms is the self-care and the fact that like when you're taking care of uh, little ones at home, it's kind of the first thing that can maybe go away um, once you're trying to take care of them. So what are some ways that you have implemented your own self-care, especially around like the postpartum time? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is so hard. I really struggled with this a lot. Um, I think like you just go from this place of like, you know, I mean, I struggled taking care of myself before I had kids, like finding mm. time for kids, you know, self-care before I had kids. And then all of a sudden you're keeping, you know, two little humans alive, like general, genuinely keeping them alive. <laughs> and yes. so, like, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, you find time for it. It's, it's hard. I think for me, the biggest thing was just realizing like self-care didn't have to be like what I had always pictured it as. Like it didn't have to be an hour long yoga class or a, you know, a, you know, $20 face mask or a massage. It didn't have to be these like big things that sometimes like I would get the same bang for my buck from like a, like going to get a pedicure as just going to bed instead of getting the pedicure, you know, mm -hmm. just, yes. Totally. Um, and so I think like my kind of understanding of self-care and what it means to me has really evolved into just like more so just being in tune to my body. Like I'm really stressed out. I need to leave the house. I need to ask my husband for a break or I'm just really tired. I just need to go to sleep instead of watching that, you know, favorite show of mine, which would be self-care if I watched it. Mm -hmm. But like what I need instead, you kind of start having to like prioritize your self-care. Like yes. Like, you know, like if you can only do one self-care item, what is it? And I think too, for me, like calling it out, like if you follow me on Instagram, I love LaCroix. And it is like, I make myself like LaCroix cocktails, like mocktails, I guess, mm -hmm. all the time. And like, I have just like decided that is my self-care thing. Yeah. You know, yep. I'm going to have this wonderful, you know, mocktail while my kids are napping. And that's going to be my thing. And it was something I did before I had kids, but it wasn't, I didn't like call it out. It wasn't like something I was going to sit down and enjoy. I enjoyed it, 
but not to, I didn't like make an intention of enjoying it. Does that make sense? Totally. totally. Because now because it's now like it's this like thing this that thing you that can, you can um, um, really come to at any point in the day and it doesn't have to be this big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. it can literally cost five cents or however much a LaCroix costs. It doesn't have to be this crazy massage. It's something that you can really fall back on at any moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also it's important to be able to recognize what you need and know yourself well enough to say like, okay, I'm tired. You know, what would be the best thing for me to do right now? Um, or I am whatever I'm feeling and how can I really take care of myself in really practical and simple ways? Yes. And I, I mean, my heart just like, it goes out to, you know, the mom of twins and like the mom yes. with three kids under three, like it really does just go, my heart just like almost like, I mean, just bleeds for moms yep. tired. And like, I just feel it in my soul. Like I know how hard that is but like there's also a part of moms that like you just have to let it go like Mm. you have to give yourself grace and you have to say like I'm not going to go organize the playroom right now Mm -hmm. because I might go crazy if I do (laughs) I really might lose my mind so I need to go lay down and watch scandal instead yes exactly I just I I think like there's such this like, and it even is in between moms where it's like you, you see this mom doing this great thing and you want to do it. And so you just feel like this, like you have to compete in some way. And it's like, I just think like, we just have to like turn that all off and like really do what's best for ourselves Mm. and ask for, ask for help. I know some moms don't have people to ask for help and you know, that is so hard. But if you have someone to ask for help, if you have an involved husband or a mom in town, like ask her, ask her, take the kids. And, you know, uh, most of the time people really do want to help. Yeah. And it's, and it's really about us asking for that, Mm -hmm. you know, even if it's just ask another mom, like, I'm going crazy. Can we trade kids? Like, I'll take your kids Monday, you take mine Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, like most moms are like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, exactly. If I can have a moment of, yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. Well, thank you for being so open and for sharing all of these amazing tips with us and for all the moms out there. We end the podcast by um, doing a couple quick fire questions. Okay. So I'm nervous. (laughs) Oh my God. No, they're super easy. Um, (laughs) What are your favorite fruits and veggies? Um, okay. I love berries, like strawberries, blueberries, all that. Mm -hmm. Um, I really am not a huge veggie fan. (laughs) I love avocado. I think that's delicious. My son does. Um, do olives count as a veggie? Uh, sure. Let's count olives. Cause I, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah. And I love all, all the like root vegetables, which I'm actually on a protocol right now where I can't have any, but all root vegetables to oh, me delicious, are, especially yeah. when there's a mixture. Yes. Oh, agree. And bacon. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Delicious. <laughs> um, so what would be your last meal? Like if you could only, if you were told like you can only eat one more thing, um, or even like a three course meal or whatever, what would be your favorite thing? Um, if you were told like you could never eat again or something. Oh my gosh. I don't even know because you know, my diet has been so limited for so long. Um, that is funny. You know what I think of first is Mm. like who I would want, like what I would want, who I would want to eat with. Oh, wow. That's why I like immediately I was like with my husband. Oh my God. That's so powerful. (laughs) We don't get to eat dinner together that much. Just the two of us. I'm like, Oh, just with my husband, somewhere really nice. Like with a white tablecloth. I don't really care. Yep. Yep. And that's like, to me, a sign of you're actually the first person that who's ever said that. Um, But I think it's so interesting because like, once you get to a healthy relationship with food, not saying that people that know what they want to eat don't have one, but I think that like, once you get to a healthy place, food is kind of just like no big deal anymore, Mm -hmm. you know, and social connection matters more. Yeah, it does. When you, uh, yeah, when you never get to go out and have just a nice meal. I mean, not never. We go out, but it's like nothing like the volume that I would want it to be. I'm like, I would love to just go eat with him right now. <laughs> yes, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Um, and what is the greatest piece of advice that you've been given that's resonated with you the most? It could have to do with being a mom or um, self-care or just like the biggest piece of advice that's had the biggest impact on you. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I've gotten it in a couple of different ways, but it resonates with me because it matters to me a lot. But just like, you know, arrive at a decision without caring what other people think about about the outcome. Mm -hmm. You know, just there's so, especially since I've become a mom, it was already something I struggled with before I became a mom. But now that I'm a mom, there's so many advice and opinions and just like, and well-intentioned all of it. But it, it just like kind of like hunkering down with you and your husband, you know, and just figuring out what you're going to do and being confident in that and just moving forward. And people have said that that's not like eloquent, but people have said that in a lot of different ways to me. Yes. It is really important in my life. Absolutely. And I think that once you, I think that's one of mine as well is to not care what other people think. And then once you can get to a place when you begin to not care as much, it's like an entire weight has been lifted from Mm -hmm. your life. And you think of like, (laughs) well, slowly it's not, I mean, I still struggle with this too, for sure. But slowly you can feel the weight being lifted. I think now more so too, like I can feel the weight when it's there. Oh yes. You know, like I'm like, oh, it's there. Like you're carrying way too much. Yes. I don't notice it as much when it's not, I guess. Yes. But I think the fact that like you're aware and recognizing, I think that's the biggest thing of all. Um, but thank you again for being here and for sharing everything. Tell us where we can find you on Instagram and your website. Um, so simplywholenutrition.com is my website and my Instagram and all my social media is simply whole Kara. Perfect. Yes. Yes. Come find me. Ask me questions. I love, I love, I feel like, you know, learning from other women is so powerful. So yeah, come find me. Absolutely. And I know Kara will be open to talking to all of you. And thanks again, Kara. It was great talking to you. you. It was such an honor. Thank you so much for listening to Heart Food Podcast. To find the show notes for this episode, visit ashleypardo.com. Follow Ashley on social media at Ashley K. Pardo. If you enjoy the show, please share it with your family and friends. And give us some love by subscribing and leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes.